Hello there and welcome to the Harping on Rugby podcast. This is season three, episode two, and joining me for a chat about how the Irish squad is looking at the end of a long campaign is none other than Kigo, making his 20th appearance. Welcome to you, sir. Good evening. Uh, well, we're recording on Wednesday evening, just after the Lions' uh, 13-17 defeat in Cape Town against the so-called South African A-side. <laughs> I mean, seriously, with Colby, Etzebet, De Clerc, Detroit, that A had to stand for amazing. But we ran them pretty close in the end. But um, to be honest, I mean, anyone who's been reading the Harp and Rugby website recently has seen that uh, I did a piece there last week where really my heart's not really in this tour anymore. Um, and ironically, at the same time, I got a post from Michelle to email just after I posted mine. She sent her own post as well. And that's got a lot of traction as well. In the same vein. And um, I'm just not really, we, we, we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago, a, you know, sort of a quiz kind of thing. We were going to do loads of them to the Lions tour. But then I just decided I can't really do this. Um, I can't take this tour seriously when the matches are on. I'll, I'll watch them. What do, what do you think? What's your, been, your take on the tour, Giga? Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I just to put my 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 thoughts out there. I'm not a fan of the Lions. Um, I understand how people love them and the history, and that's beautiful. When Sky Sports get into something, they do tend to pummel the joy out of it, uh, and I feel that's what they've been doing over the years. Um, I, I feel like yourself when we're watching the game, the spectacle of the game will overshadow for those eighty minutes all the other stuff that's going around us. Uh, but I think you and I are grown-ups, and it kind of goes past what's happening on the pitch. Uh, it, because our sport is, is growing, it's relatively new in terms of professionalism. We're still trying to find that balance between sport and business. And we're currently sitting in that kind of stinky business room right now where that's why they're there. I get for the players, it's a huge honour, and that's, that's to be saluted. That's their... It's like the Ryder Cup in golf. It's their reward for the work throughout their, the, the, the cycle of selection. But we also have to put people ahead of business. Now, I'm a hippie, but I've no hair. Um, and I get we've got, to, we've got to build content for TV. Contracts are in place. But if people are going to tell me that there is no way to work around the current climate with COVID and things like that, then I don't think they're doing their job. I think they're being lazy. Uh, I think player safety is a massive issue. And then when you look at how things are going in the camp where players are getting pumped with cortisone, players are getting played injured, players are coming back from separating their shoulders, uh, captains changing, uh, you know, over the last kind of four hours, the captains changed again, which again is another issue for the team to deal with. It's just too much, I feel. And with no fans in the stadium, I just don't, I, I, there must be a better way. That's all. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the Lions is that there there were issues surrounding the tour even before COVID came along. Uh, the question was, as the rugby game expands professionally and more and more competitions, there's more and more games. How do you shoehorn these games into the calendar? And while you're we're sp- still supposed to be keeping player safety um, in 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 order, you know, I mean, you look back at previous tours going way back into the '80s. Um, in those days when the game was amateur, when the only real rugby that mattered in the season was the Six Nations. Well, then, of course, you could go you could go far, far afield and bring bring a team and play 50 matches, tour and matches and all these traditional, amazing tours we hear about. It's a, just a, it's a, the games. It's a different game now. Now they've got just Six Nations, Heineken Cup. There's there is Pro 14 and all these other competitions come in. All these matches, full season 
come in and that's and that's before the whole covid thing and now that now, now that we have that as well there's so much uncertainty um when when covid came along and then you know we thought we were getting on top of the vaccines but what are the two countries that got the first variants in this damn thing it was the uk and south africa it was like the the the, the, the actual uh, COVID itself was saying you cannot have this tour, and um, I understand. Like you say, it's a business, and and you can appreciate that there's people invested in it. There's, there's sponsors, there's advertisers from the TV, there's all this kind of st- other interests going in that they have to take into account. But when, when when all is said and done, it's like okay, they made the decision to go ahead with it, but every single day there's this drip, drip, drip of news. So and so, you know, that there's there's one case in the squad. There's three cases in the squad. We have to call up this game. Okay, we're not playing these guys. We're playing the other guys. Now, now this guy's to go home. This guy's coming back. All this every day. There's new news. And and what gets me is that despite all of that, you you know, you and I we follow Twitter all the time. We're keeping up on the news and all this kind of stuff. You see these. It's not just the 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 officials. It's not just the businesses. It's also the the, the journalists as well. It's like it's an emperor's new clothes scenario is, is how I'm seeing it now. They're all just talking as if like, well, this is all normal. This is all normal. None of this is normal. This is not a normal tour. This is not. A, this isn't a tour as as, as we know it. Um, and what do we say? I mean, do we do we expect them to call it off? No, but I just it just doesn't feel right watching it. When the game is on, we'll watch. I enjoyed that 80 minutes. Mm. There's a lot to talk about, um, but we're, we're not going to focus on that tonight. Um, we, it, we're, we're just it, it's literally just happened. But, you know, be, because, like you say, we're, we both got these issues about it off the pitch. We'd rather talk about other things. And luckily, there's lots of other rugby stuff to talk about. Um, just last Saturday, we had um, the uh, the Irish team um, had their second match against the USA. Now, they ran in 10 tries. It was it was over. There was a red card in the second half. There was all that stuff. But I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it was great to see the fans there. What did you make of it? Yeah, as a uh, as a spectacle, I enjoyed seeing humans in there shouting. Uh, I wish it was me, but... Uh, you know, much like, you know, Lions and COVID and things like that, I'm not ready to go into a stadium just yet. I've only had the one jab. So, um, you know, there's that kind of thing. But I, I enjoyed the team selection, uh, the mixture of people in that team. You look at Conway, who, um, you know, I, I have a feeling that I think when I think of Andrew Conway, that he's 114 years of age. But he's, he's not. He's a young guy with all this experience. And you saw him in there with Kilcoyne, Balakoon on the wing. Casey and the speed of the ball he's thrown about the place. And then when, okay, we've got to take into account the, the opposition, but a, a lot of the choices, once the guys were lacked, I think our early start is something we need to work on as a team, whether it's Japan or America. Uh, we didn't do it too badly against England in the six nations, which people forget about how great that win was, but um, we, we need to work on the start. We need to start, as we mean to finish, because we can't build into games against the top team. When you look at who's coming in November, uh, obviously you and I are going to be in the stadium screaming along, but we, uh, there was a huge amount of positives. Uh, but if you were, again, we were talking about um, Twitter and things like that. If you were online as the game was going on, now I turned off the phone uh, about 25 minutes in because you would have thought it was doomsday. You would have thought the world is going to end now, there were mistakes early on, and that's something that the guys need to work on. And in, in Japan, in the Japanese game, there were simple errors that need to be worked on. But these are top-level players who will fix those things. 
what we are looking for now, and I guess the progression through the Farrell era is going to be slower because of COVID, and people will take that as an excuse and a realistic thing, or they won't. So it's up to them. But what we, we need to do is get the basics right. The mentality is there. The, the, the tackles that James Ryan was making up until 80 minutes is amazing. Sometimes making two, three tackles in three-second periods. Now, the chip on his shoulder is something we need to fester in that green jersey and back in the blue jersey because I do think he's being very grown up about what's happening and not being picked, but he's also channeling that into the job he's doing, which is really, really fantastic. He led really well. But if you look at the team against America, um, there was a huge amount, O'Toole, Baird getting game time. I think Kilcoyne is getting shafted sometimes because of the class that's in front of him. He's showing up and doing the job really, really well. Balakoon, obviously, you've got Hume in there, Casey in there, Carberry coming back. Like, it's very difficult not to be positive, but we've also got to be realistic. 70 points. So if we have scored 500 points, some people would still not be happy. So, yes, there's a huge amount to work on, but I do believe that the faces that we saw last Saturday are going to be the leaders of the future. And that was their first real taste of the taste of the anthems, basically. Absolutely. Well, that was the thing. I mean, the, the feature of this game was the new caps, the amount of the sheer amount of new caps and just how well they all played and how natural they all looked at that level. And also you, you talk about, you know, criticism online. I mean, Andy Farrell's gotten nothing but criticism since he's taken over as coach. Some of it's always justified. No coach mm-hmm. is perfect, whatever. But when you, I mean, you can't, you, you know, you can't blame COVID as an excuse for everything. But I mean, his entire career as Ireland coach has been facing that. He's it's surely the man has got to get a little bit of leeway uh, over that. And when you look at um, what could have happened against Wales in that first game, mm-hmm. that's a match we could have won, but for just a couple of incidents and what what's happened since um, you know, the, we, we lost the following week, but since then we've run strong five in a row. We, we finished, we, we had a good win against England at the end of it. We finished, we finished third in a competition, which we finished, we lost the first two games, but still got a top three finish, which is always the IRFU stated goal. Um, they, they had a disappointing result against England in that Autumn Nations Cup, still came back to finish third in that. Um, there's, there, there's plenty of positive, but on the player front, like I say, we, we you you named all the players, Balakoon, all the all the the first the first caps in this team. But then you look at other players. I mean, you mentioned James Ryan. I mean, he's a veteran at this stage. Mm. You know, even Ryan Baird looks like he's been there forever. I mean, he he's he was a name we already knew in that team. And we can't, you know, when we see these guys like Craig Casey getting playing and playing well, and they look like naturals in there. They look like they 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 belong there. Gavin Coombs. Coombs I mean, yeah. come on. That guy is and and it was his attitude as well. He was like flicking these offloads like the, like it was nothing to him and uh and just just looking like he belongs there. And you look at all that talent that's there, but even even with all of that, you still wouldn't necessarily put them if your team, if you're playing the All Blacks tomorrow, you know. And uh, it's it, and that's an amazing way to be for any team. Like you like you said yourself, you you know you can take nothing for granted. There's much bigger contests down the line, but when it's looking for what you want, and especially you talk about complaints, people that the the, the every, pretty much every single complaint people were made about Farrell, he ended up uh, solving them. You know, uh, Craig Casey came on for like three minutes uh, mm. against Japan the previous week. I think that would, there's a reason for that. I think yeah. we'd already gone into two of our subs that played over half the matches. Subs, I think they were holding him back just in case. Um, plus, I thought uh, Gibson Park had a good purple patch there that he didn't want to disrupt right in the middle of the second half, which 
which led us to actually winning that game, a game we could have lost. Um, and then, you know, but the whole talk after that game was, oh, Casey, three minutes, Casey, three minutes, Casey, three minutes. But guess what? There's another game next week. And guess what? He started. And guess what? He played really well. He's got a good time. And all this time, he's been in the camp. He's actually been in the camp, um, you know, taken in the squad and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and it's great, but still, he, you know, this is, there's a, there's a certain guy out there called Connor Murray who's going to be coming back. So we're not going to definitely, we're not definitely going to see Casey in the team, but that's still a good thing um, for me. Actually, the, the most important aspect of the, these two matches has been Joey Carberry. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it was important for him to be, I called him in my write-up, the alpha 10 in that camp. Um, for him to be there. And obviously Sexton would have been there as well, talking, you know, coaching and all that kind of stuff and helping out. But when it came to the, the player pool, he was the main guy. He was the he was the, the leader of the Irish uh, creatively. He started both games. He, he didn't have the best time in the first game. He grew into it more in the second. He, he after a little bit of a shake, he started, just did one little offload in the tackle. And all of a sudden, boom, we were in that half and we never looked back. And um, I think it was a really important time for him because, I mean, you know, he's really not getting any younger. We're talking about people looking like veterans. He seems like he's only been here a few minutes, but, you know, he's 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 at the he's at a time when he really needs to start cracking on and playing as well. So there was loads, loads to get our teeth into and loads of these criticisms were answered. Um, And I think it was a great way to end the season for Ireland. Oh, 100%. And I, 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 you're dead right with Kirby. We need to get as many minutes in those new boots of his as possible. Even if we can get him into a summer tag rugby team, we need to do that because, uh, you know, he is the bridge between, um, you know, Sexton and Sexton Byrne Sr. and Byrne Jr. Uh, and, and you could be looking at, at some of the under 20s, Dokken Down, those kind of group pulling their way through. Um, but I do think we need to get as many minutes in. He's still coming back. It was a horrific injury that happened to him before the World Cup. Um, uh, that You know, the World Cup, we don't want to mention. You know, we were in the stadium. We saw what happened. That is a full-on... It's, it's very close to McGregor last weekend, and, and it took a long time to get back. So we need to get him uh, bruised up as, as he was before that injury. Uh, yes, it took a while to get into Japan, Japan are, are a tier one nation. They will be officially very soon if they're not already. They are going to challenge every single team you're going to watch play rugby. They are beautiful to watch, even more beautiful if you're not wearing a green jersey. They are amazing. Full on, why not rugby? We did a little bit of that against the Americans. I think the answer for us is somewhere in the middle. We're showing the skill is there, which I think is really important because there was a, I can't remember, I think it was on one of your tweets, someone put a stat up about the amount of offloads over the last five games. We're five games unbeaten for the first time in a few years, and we would be six. We were only beaten by two points in France, against France. So we've got to remember all of this sort of thing uh, with all of the new faces. But I think the answer for Ireland is we are showing we have the skill. We are showing we can see things. And we are also seeing that Farrell is not like Joe Smith. And the, more, the further away we get from King Joe, uh, the more we're hearing about how he ran the camp. Farrell is not that guy. Farrell is kind of laying a groundwork for wherever you are on the pitch. But once it gets into open play, he is trusting the players to do what they feel. Now, there's a huge risk with that. If Ireland play like they did against America in the first game of the November series and it doesn't work, which is the risk, again, everyone is going to pile on top of them. But I do feel that the answer is somewhere in between. It's, a, it's an educated risk-taking that we started doing 
um, kind of second half against Japan uh, and then against the Americans. But I think another great thing from the two games is we strangled both of the teams. We strangled the positivity out of both of those teams. Uh, Japan had the game before against, they played the Lions the, the, the week before, didn't they, I think? They played well then, but we started strangling them. And, and you're dead right. Gibson Park was taking control of that game in the second half. Obviously, the people who give out about Casey, they don't know what they're talking about. That's just what it is. Uh, it's fans versus supporters. Everyone with a brain who knows what they're looking at knows why he wasn't on the pitch. But anyway, um, and then I think moving into Saturday against the Americans, my only issue is there's a couple of basic issues earlier on in terms of catching the ball, and we are starting too slowly. That's it. Like it's a it's a team based combat sport where you've got to go in ready to rock and roll. You've really got to put your message down. Again, I pay for my jersey; they get theirs for free. That's the difference. But I do feel that's the only thing. If we could just start more aggressively, some of those mistakes will be eradicated just through the sheer pace of the game. Yeah, let's um, let's talk a bit more about James Ryan as captain now, mm. um, because I think that's a. I mean, I I thought I thought overall I, I'm not. I, I think he's, he seems to be a natural mm-hmm. uh, uh, as to be a long-term uh, captain of Ireland. My first experience of him was in an under-20s game against Wales when we were 17 points down after like 15 minutes. And after that third try went in, the um, we took the kickoff and he, he obviously knew where the kickoff was going. And he hurtled towards like a freight train, hit the guy, knocked him over. He knocked on. And from then on, we went on to win the game and go all the way to the final that year. And that was just, that was the leadership from the front that he's always had. Now, when he's gotten to senior level, I think when it comes to the captaincy, I think maybe things happen a little bit too fast. He played for Ireland before he played for Leinster. He had this run of like 30 games in a row, never losing him, all this invincible stuff that all had to fall down eventually um i don't know how comfortable he is yet with the captaincy because it's a role you have to grow into but then then again you, like you said an early a couple of early lineouts um failed against the usa but then there was a time when um before our try before we finally got got our try and you know everyone talks about balakun's amazing run and that was amazing mm-hmm. but the actual lineout that led to that try he, he's obviously calling them. He called it to himself. Now, the two he missed, he was at four in the lineup, and they went over him. He went over him a bit, and he was mistimed his jump and whatever. That's fair enough. He still had the guts. He called himself a simpler call at two, but he still called it to himself. He took it down, s- simple catch. And once he got that settler of a lineup, it worked. And Ron Kelleher's four tries were mostly from lineouts that he threw to James Ryan. And it was that way of being able to just – and now he's gotten to a stage where he's – his head is in the game. If things don't work for him, that's fine. And I think it was really good progression for him um, through the two games. A bit like Carberry's well needed these two games um, as Ireland captain to get the to be this to get the sense of 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 what that role is like. How, how do you feel he's what he's doing with it? No, I think you're spot on. I think as well the only positive of not having Sexton on the pitch or on the bench is Ryan is the captain. Uh, you know, I, I know Manny was there uh, day one as well uh, as a kind of a backup guy kind of thing. But I think without having the, the, the massive shadow of Sexton on the pitch really, really helped them. Um, I think, yes, it, it's what we're talking about here is not in the head. It's not in the, it's not the fact that he, we're not questioning his bottle or his guts or anything like that. It's just it's just the simple things. And if it's only the simple things, they are fixed very, very simply. Um, you know, Technically, the team is still very young. 
and Ryan is very young as a captain, even though he was a media creation of all these games without a loss. Uh, I, he would have had a team around him saying, don't listen to them, don't buy the paper, don't go on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Hand that off to other people. Uh, I think he's very solid. I think he's a long-term captain. I think he is a leader. Uh, but I think there will be a group of leaders. I think Kilcoyne's going to be a leader. Um, you know, there, there are a few players coming through. I think Casey's got that about him as well. But as you say, Murray is coming in too. But I think in terms of Ryan, it's not it's not a bottle issue. It's not, and I think we've been lucky. If we look back on the few, you know, you've got Woody, you've got O'Driscoll, O'Connell, Sexton. These are players who are um, rightly or wrongly putting themselves on the line no matter what. Uh, very rarely letting anyone down. The basics are always really, really spot on with these guys, but they all, they had a different trajectory uh, than, than Ryan does. And I think Ryan is, is starting to get there. That chip on the shoulder is coming. No one is going to be more annoyed by those opening lineups against America than he is. Uh, and, I, you know, for me, I'm not, you know, it's frustrating, but again, we're sitting on the couch. We're paying for our jerseys. It's, it, it's something that they can fix very, very simply. Uh, and there's a lot going on. And, and look, we've got to be honest, there's a lot going on in the line out that we don't see. Uh, so we, you know, we only see the throw and the catch. There's very, there's a, so much going on. Same in a scrum. There's so much going on that we don't see what's going on. And most people don't know what's going on when they see it. But in terms of a long-term captain, I've no worries about that. I've no worries about him as a player. I think, you know, th- much like Carberry, the more time we can get him in those boots with the armband on, metaphorical armband, because this is a real sport, um, the more time we can get him in a decision-making position, the better for everybody. Yeah, and I think the one thing, the, the one thing he needs more than anything else, like it, it, as always happens when there's a Lions tour, when uh, it, when a player on the pitch uh, limps once, uh, everyone goes to the next player and tweets, "Oh, tell him to switch on his phone. Tell this guy to tell James Ryan to switch on his phone if they if they think um, Itoji's limping or mm. something like that." And uh, the last thing I think we need at this stage, we were disappointed that he didn't make the squad originally. Um, we were surprised when Adam Beard got called up. Um, ahead of him but at this stage I think as you say putting the underpants on the green and the blue um, I think the last thing he wants is to get on a plane at this stage the last thing we want him to do at James Ryan is to get on any planes anymore is to have the summer off uh, relax go into proper preseason and be ready and fired to go um, for, for Leinster and Ireland at the at the end of the summer and, he, and he, there's there'd be plenty of chances for him to to do a lot more captaincy next season Oh, 100 percent. Uh, yeah. And uh, but, uh, you know, talking again about like I was talking about the under 20s earlier when he was playing, mm. um, we've had this extra bonus rugby for the last five weeks. Um, the, uh, the the under 26 nations, a brilliant idea to play at this time of year. This is this is the time of year when they would have had that world championship. Couldn't do that because of the travel, because of COVID. But they worked out a way. They, they created a bubble in um, Cardiff and uh, played the tournament there every six days, which is, you know, um, they, they they did take some precautions for a player's safety. They had like a 30-man squads allowed for the day, extra substitutions and all that crap. Uh, I still think a lot of players might have played a little bit more than they needed to. But mm-hmm. what we saw of those players, like you said, when you're watching the matches, you're focused on what's going on. And there's some real standout players in that Ireland team, wasn't there? Oh, 100%. And in terms of the bigger squads, I think that's a great idea in, in general terms. Mm. Um, I, I do think that's something that every team should visit or the World Rugby or whoever. Um, but yeah, no, in terms of Ireland, it was, it was great to watch. Um, you know, the, obviously you've got Doak and you've got Kendall there in the, in the middle making the decisions. And the way they were operating was really, really impressive. These, these are, without sounding like an absolute prick, these are babies. 
You know what I mean? They're, and they're operating at an elite level uh, and they're not small. They're not scared. They're not shying away from anything. They're making decisions. And you can see that galvanize the team around them. Big units everywhere. So you're kind of looking at under 19 or the under 20s going, a lot of these guys could slot into a lot of teams in the pro 14, 16, all that sort of stuff. They could just slot in straight away. Now, not that we want to get rid of them, but um, I, I do feel that this is the start because, as you say, because it's at this time of year, more people are watching it because we want sport. And if it was here, more people would be going to it, which would be great without COVID. So next year, hopefully, it's all the same. But I do feel that I actually, when you read negative comments and you look at the reality of the situation, under 20s and our last two games in the big jersey, you kind of go, there's a huge amount, a huge pool of amazing players who are operating at a high level under pressure. Now, some of the under 20s need a little bit of finesse, a little bit of, you know, because they're under 20. Uh, you know, I, I, I can only imagine what we were like playing sport at under 20. It was a bit like my two seven-year-olds trying to play football, just running around, windmilling everyone. So these guys are operating at a massively high level. Uh, and you look at what the sevens are doing as well. A lot of the guys come from the seventh game over. Um, you've got Balakun, you've got Keenan, these two pl- really exciting players coming in from that seventh game. It, it's very difficult not to be positive because there's been a lot of decisions the IRFU, we, I won't say you, but I feel may have gotten wrong uh, and people may feel have gotten wrong. But when you look at the under 20s, the sevens, the women and the, the big jerseys, um, it's massively positive the amount of players that are coming through. And in terms of the under 20s, the, the games were all massively impressive. Really, it sounds like I'm patting them on the head. I don't mean it to sound that way. It was, it was brilliant. Like, it was really, really good. They, they, they weren't hammered anywhere. Uh, you know, a couple of losses creep in, and, and there's still a gap. You know what I mean? There's a, a, a big funding issue between England and Ireland in general. France are mutants and that kind of thing. That's always going to bridge. That's going to be a gap we have to bridge, whatever the level is. But, uh, you know, it was amazing to watch. We really needed to watch them. And now there are names like Doak and Kandelan and new players in the big jersey, Balakun, all these kind of players who are on our in our mouths now. Uh, and that's massively positive for every single green jersey. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, I mean, it gets to a stage where how many players, how many players are we quality players do we can we have at mm. all these different positions? I mean, whatever, whatever, no matter how many you have, you can only pick 23 on a team sheet for an Ireland game. And um, someone is always going to be left out. And like you say, there's other people's fans, supporters, whatever you want to call them, complaining that their guy isn't there. Usually it's parochial uh, reasons for, for not wanting their, you know, for complaining about not having their guy in the team whatever, but um, no, but what always amazes me about these players coming through is just, and this has been happening for the last six, seven years. Um, it's they, they, they're they ready to play. And even before, before COVID, I, I, I'd always go to one or two schools games um, every season. And you just, it's when you're, when you're there and you, you can see the, the operation of the team, it's, it, it's like you're being at the RDS. They're just so professional. They're, they're, their systems are in place. They're, they're well-drilled. Sometimes you might say to yourself, do these guys actually go to a classroom, open a textbook <laughs> at all? But um, from a rugby point of view, it's, it's amazing. Then they're ready to go. They get to the top level. None, none, you don't get any of this anymore. Like back in the old days when someone like Brian O'Driscoll, even his talent gets to senior level, I will stick him on the wing. 
for yeah. a season. Maybe he'll play twice and uh, stick him out there in the wing and let him let the let the big boys play. That doesn't happen anymore. You come in, you, you what are you center? You go in the center there. You go up against Jamie Roberts. I don't care who's playing against you. Uh, he's going to come crashing at you, and you be ready. And and they are ready. And they they put out these performances. We've seen this with Vander Fleer. We've seen this with Clay mm. Doris. Just and this is just at Leinster. These players are coming up. Gary Ringrose. They they just come in and they're ready to play at the highest level. They go you know no. It's nothing to them playing European rugby in their in their what would be their rookie season, you know. And then you look at this under twenty team. That guy can mm. It's not it's not even how he plays the game. It's just his attitude, just body language. He's just like, yeah, I'm here, and he's no problem talking to the ref, no problem uh, encouraging his teammates to play to play alongside him. He's there. He's he's focused. He's he's ready to play the game. Um, you talked about Doke as well. He's going to be great for Ulster. They, they're like they're getting them from some where to replace Ruin Pinar. They, they all seem to be that kind of number nine. This kicking could play number 10, mm. um, uh, place kicking and do all this kind of stuff from scrum half, this great attitude. And he's another one of them. It's going to be great for, for Ulster. We've got uh, this guy, Alex Soroka, mm. who's, who played a couple of times in the Pro 14 for us this season. Um, and he had another great tournament. He was playing six. He was playing eight. He was playing all sorts, uh, second row as well. He can, uh, another leader on the pitch. They're all, they're all coming through. Um, like you say, we, we can't just expect them to just jump into the, the, the iron team. Cause there's like now three, four, five players ahead of them, especially if they're a back rower. Hello. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's crazy, but it's, it, it, it is good to see. It's good for Irish rugby. And like you say, the question is, can we can we pick the team? Far, when Farrell picks an Irish, Farrell's under pressure, assuming he cares what's said about him on Twitter, which I'm sure he doesn't. We are more concerned about that. But he's under pressure from the second the team is named, even before the team is named. You you go through the timeline. Better pick this guy. Better pick this guy. Now they can add gifts. Oh look what he did against Zebra, uh, and uh, he, well of course he has to play for Ireland. And the pressure is on before he even picks the team. Then he picks the team. It's like, oh, disgrace, disgrace, disgrace. Then if anything goes wrong in the game, oh, Farrell out. You know, all this cracks going on. And we're going to get a lot more of this down the line. But still, it's a question of finding the team. He, he needs a 15. That's his ideal 15. He needs to come up with that soon. And we got to ask ourselves, like, you know, what what is his goal down the line? What is his actual goal? I actually have an interesting theory. Sorry to interrupt you there. Like, work away. I actually, I think, I don't think there is, uh, I've got to make sure I phrase this the right way. When when we talk about a starting 15, mm. I think that's a changeable feast, depending on the opposition. Like you look at Van der Fleer, for example, who is an absolute animal. He's not going to start every game based on, uh, you know, for example, um, Maybe I would pick him against New Zealand, but not necessarily South Africa. Not because there's anyone better than him, just based on how he plays the game. And I think outside of the, the main positions, which would be for me, front row, um, front row, number eight, nine and ten. I think a lot of the other players, like you look at Jordan Larmer, he can play on either wing or 15. It depends on who we're playing and what we're trying to do. Stockdale, winger, Fullback, Conway, winger, fullback. Um, you look at our second row, we've got so many options there. Henderson, Byrne. Uh, if O'Mahony's around, he's, he's around. But you've got Ryan. Um, you've got a huge amount of these guys. The back row, we've got 100 of them. So then we've got some of those who are going to pop into the second row based on size or ability or whatever. Um, so 
I, I feel that like when we say it, he's got to find. I think I think he's got to find the players he's most he trusts the most, if you like, because he's actively giving giving uh, freedom to the players once that set play is finished. So when we see the offloads and things like that, you can see the players. It's like a dog with their head out the window, tongue flapping in the wind. They're just enjoying themselves. And that works when there's no pressure, but it's a matter of getting that rise while the pressure's on. And so I think we, if Farrell has his front row, uh, his captain in the second row, his number eight and his nine and 10, I think there's enough cover around the rest of the pitch to, to, to play the game you need to play against the team you're playing. And that may change. I don't know if that's a theory that makes any sense, but I think the year of the starting 15 and then there's a gap, I think that's disappearing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh no, you're right. Uh, he needs he he does need some uh, flexibility, and he, and it's good that he has that. He's got different types mm-hmm. of players. You got Van der Flair, who's an out and out uh, open side. He, he's every bit of the open side. You need, but you don't always need that. Sometimes you need um, more carrying power. But of course, he's his carrying is getting better. But you know, you, you need different types of players, especially on the back row. But also talking about um, dependable players, and and I can't believe I I've been talking about these players who come into the Ireland team like they belong there. And I haven't mentioned Hugo Keenan. Mm. Um, he the the thing about him is that like for like 50 years we had Rob Carney um wearing that 15 jersey, and that was his going way back to the 2009 Grand Slam. Just after then, he was he was the man, he was there. You just if he's fit, he's playing. And you know your grands, he's he, you know, that that position sorted. And we we talked about uh, legacies and, and who's going to take over from them and all this kind of stuff. And the conversation was going on for years, for years, for years. No one ever mentioned Hugo Keenan. Mm. No one, most, a lot of people didn't know Hugo Keenan. He went off and played in the sevens, which is another Irish success story, big time. I, I, I hope, you know, we talked about the Lions are going ahead. Hopefully the Olympics uh, can go ahead for the, for their sakes, because that'd be a great experience for, for, for that squad as well. But in terms of Hugo Keenan, He's just he's he's come in and he's just said, yep, I'm taking this jersey and we're, you're grand now. You know, I'll, I'll take it mm. from here. That's literally what he's done. And that's that's the very position you want that kind of dependability. So so you know, kudos to him there. And he's played pretty much every match for the past three seasons or something like that for Ireland as well. So he's 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 he's, he's a great guy to have there and a perfect uh, person for Farrell to have in at 15. But um, in terms of you know looking down the line. What are we looking for? I mean, are, are we like this holy grail of a semifinal in a World Cup? We've got another tricky draw um, down the line. We're, we're, we're talking about Farrell. He's only on a two-year contract uh, for now. So he's, t- he's looking to see is that going to get renewed. So um, he's finished on a high. He's got a good squad um, together. He's got matches now coming up. He's got another Six Nations. He's had third place. He's had third place. He's got to improve that, obviously, um, if he's going to look to take that forward. So he's he 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 he'd be under pressure himself, no matter what whether he looks at Twitter or not. But you know, do, do you think what, what would you consider be a success for him going forward? I, th- I, I think we need. I, don't worry about the World Cup. If we win, that's gonna. If we win every game between now and the World Cup, we're in a good spot. If we win every Six Nations between now and the World Cup, we're in a good spot. Uh, all of this stuff in the you know in years gone by where. Post Lions year, we're close to a six and eight, blah, blah, blah. Don't worry about that. If you win every game, that, that, that puts confidence in absolutely everybody. And that's what we need. That's what started disappearing towards the last World Cup. Um, now, I, I think in terms of what, what we want, I think November is going to be the next thing. Obviously, 
And when you look at South Africa today uh, and, and the top level teams, and my, uh, the thing I've written down to talk to you about was the South African defence, where anytime the lines felt like they were getting space, all of a sudden the midfielder just pops around. All of a sudden another midfielder pops around and there is no space. Every, it, it's just it's amazing to watch. Uh, and in terms of the Irish team that is currently in situ, going up against that type of execution, um, we would struggle. So we need to build up confidence in what we're doing. We haven't seen, we've seen a little bit more offloading, but in terms of everything else, we haven't really seen much. And I think that's the worry. Um, you know, against England, the lineout was perfect. Uh, you know, in the last couple of games, lineout not so much. Um, the the personnel changes a wee bit, but simple things we need to get right. Uh, we're not doing the kind of, um, with all due respect to him, he's back home now. We're not doing the CJ, that's me hitting going forward. We're not doing that as much anymore, which is great. I think some of the new rules that we spoke about on your last quiz, I think that's going to help that kind of play to disappear, which will help us uh, because there is skill there. There is speed there. There are feet, footwork in every position now from, from front to back. So I think we need to use that more. A little bit of educated use of the offload. We're not going to offload everything, but we need to, when we don't offload it, we need to clear that out nice and quick. Um, Casey showed how quick he can flag the ball around, which is going to put pressure on Murray which is going to put pressure on Gibson Park. So all of these things need to happen. But we need consistency. We need to we've, – we've gone five games winning now, and the last two games have been – okay, if we take America off the table, with all due respect to our American brothers and sisters, if we look at Japan, tier one nation, one ugly. Alex Ferguson made a career doing that in the 90s, and he was a genius. Farrell does it now, and he wants – everyone wants his head. So we need to win less ugly all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a yeah, it's a question of how they're going to play. And I suppose you're right; they should take just one game at a time and not think too far ahead. Um, you've got a series; they've got both Japan and USA. We're playing again this autumn. We're going to have the All Blacks as well. We're going to have Argentina, so that's going to be some really good tests in there. I think we need to get you know three at least three wins out of that series and a good good performance against the All Blacks uh, coming out of there. Then going in the next six stations, I think I think going into it, we're going to have to look at top two. Um, I, I don't think, you know, uh, for all the, for all, for all how I'm sick of these people giving out to him when anything goes wrong. I think that if he, he just has another average tournament again and finishes and can't get a, um, above third, especially if there's a couple of early defeats, I think he's going to really pile the pressure on himself um, there in terms of his overall tenure. I think the, the the honeymoon allowance that we're willing to give him extra because of what happened with COVID and stuff may start to run out um, mm-hmm. if, if, if that happens. But, you know, it's like, it, it's not to say he can't do it because all the evidence coming out of that USA game, I think was positive. He's got the players. They, they, they might have issues about adapting within a game, but they've shown they have shown they can do that. They can if if this thing this thing isn't working, well, let's try this. That's always been my problem. We, they they go in with a plan, and this this was often a problem under Schmidt. Uh, they go in with a plan, and then the other team, you know, would work against one team, and you roll over them. But next week, you have this other team, which is usually Argentina. Um, <laughs> you, you, the, the, it's not working, but we're still going to keep trying this. 
Um, and and it's 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 just it's just not going to work. They're they're getting around our, our narrow defense and they're scoring tries for fun in the corner. We're not willing to adapt. Um, the Lions tonight they were just before halftime. They they there was two yellow cards against them and they were winning penalty after penalty after penalty. But they they still kept going to pick and go. And um, I think they could have won tonight if they'd gotten that try at the end of the first half. They had that score. Um, they could have they could have ended up winning. You know, that's if if ifs and buts, whatever. But it's that kind of attitude of, of being able to change in the game. And you just hopefully that we establish the coaching and the leadership group on the pitch, um, get them in such a state that they can keep their head in the game. And I think I, I really think it can be done. But uh, a lot remains to be seen. But I think overly, I think, like we say, coming out of that USA game, we're positive going forward. There's, there's there's a lot of work to be done, but I think we're in a good good enough place now, a good squad of players, just a question of how they use them. Oh, 100%. And I think there's, there's no issue with the coaching ticket. I think they're all very solid. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Paul O'Connell's going to change things around in lineouts and set piece, things like that. Uh, and I think our attacking game can change a wee bit as well. Uh, but I think on the whole, you know, you score 70 points in a game, you know, and and you score, you know, X amount against uh, against Japan, who, again, it's a tier one nation. So, you know, we've got to win. And if it's ugly, if we win a game 3-0 all the way up to a semi-final World Cup, look, that's fine. That's the way it is. Obviously, that's not what we want. But I think once, once Farrell um, kind of sits and relaxes after those two games and kind of says, right, here's the plus, here's the minus, here's what we do, here's what we don't do, uh, I think we can. I think the educated use of the offload is key because every player on the pitch now can offload the ball. I think that's really important. Yep, definitely. Well, listen, I'll probably probably wrap it up there, man. Um, that was a, that, that was a good old chat. There's lots lots to look forward to. Um, we still got the rest of this Lions series. You know, we're both going to be watching. Uh, we'll watch <laughs> the tests as they happen. But we, you know, I, I I just probably won't cover it as much. I don't. I just don't feel just don't feel right writing them up when they're on. I'm great, but when I do the write up on the Monday, it's just not the same mm-hmm. as as during the season. So I don't think I'll be doing any more of them. But then next season, we've got this new rebranded a whole new look United rugby championship thing going on. There's another ch- uh, champions cup. There's new internationals. There's all sorts going on next season. We'll do lots to look forward to. We're going to do, but well, I suppose we have to do more of those quizzes because you haven't won one yet. Uh, <laughs> so get you back on. We'll do a couple more of those maybe before the season starts until, until you win and uh, we'll see how they go. But um, listen, we're going to, we're, we're going to leave it there, man. Thanks for coming on. And um, we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Cheers. Stay safe.